0: Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Thrive. My name is Gene Marks. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Today, I have Gentry Collins. Gentry is the CEO of the American Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce. First of all, Gentry, thank you very much for joining me.
0: Gene, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, where are you speaking from? Washington?
0: No, I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, which is our headquarters. And and, uh, Wow. Yep, so out out here getting ready for a big snowstorm.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's really funny because I— yeah, well, that's you know, common in Iowa. I'm assuming. I I thought for sure you would be, uh, you know, considering what you do, you would be like in D.C. I'm glad that you're in Iowa because that's really, where there's a, gentry, there's, there's a lot of businesses between. Washington and San Francisco. For some reason, people don't seem to realize, you know. Amen.
0: Amen. My family and I spent uh, about a decade in Washington working uh, in politics and public policy and and, uh, uh, moved back home to the Midwest uh, after some years there. Better for business, better to to raise our kids and our family. And, you know, Washington's a great place to visit, but it does not always understand the needs of American business very well. And so so being out here in the middle of the country was, was exactly where we wanted to be.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I do a lot of speaking myself to like, you know, associations around the country and they're made up of business owners that are from the world's most boring and unsexy industries, your, your members. And, um, and, and like I said, there's this bubble in Washington and, you know, on the, the East coast and on the West coast. And then there's the rest of the country that's, you yes. know, working away and it takes a while for people to realize that it's a big country, you know, um, tell me a little bit about the American free enterprise chamber of commerce. What do you guys do?
0: The American Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce is committed to the idea that um, that that American free enterprise is the greatest force for human flourishing in all of recorded human history. Right, the, the idea that free people and competitive markets are the best way to solve problems, to elevate humanity, to to make our lives better, um, is something that not only uh, do we know historically is true, um, but we see now some threats on the horizon that we haven't faced in the past, that, that in many ways, we are going backwards from a generational point of view in terms of, of how many next generation American consumers and voters and leaders are really committed to the principles of American free enterprise, really understand their value in the human experience and, and, and how, how much American free enterprise has meant, not just here in the United States, but around the world. You know, we, um, uh, in the last century, more than doubled global human life expectancy. Uh, and not only did we lengthen uh, a life expectancy, but the quality of life that people are living inside the years that we get uh, is, is at, at all time highs. Right? We, we will, uh, just a little bit of a historical uh, exercise, you can go through about 5,000 years of recorded human history and find that the average typical condition of life in, in most places and most times for the typical human was uh, deprivation. That we would lose people at age 30, all the way until 1900, life expectancy around the world was 30 years old, um, with lives of, of certainly what any modern people would consider deprivation. And today, not only is life expectancy way up in the 70s, but we will lose more of our poorest, Gene, more of our poorest, not our middle class, not our wealthy, we'll lose more of our poor to diseases of excess than we will to diseases of deprivation, right? It's never before happened in all of recorded history. And it is the yield of American free enterprise. It's the yield of trusting free people and competitive markets to solve problems. Um, And so uh, as as we've watched that, those values and the understanding of of that set of values deteriorate a little bit from from a cultural and generational perspective, uh, we decided it was time to do something about it and and to build something here in the middle of the country instead of out in Washington, D.C.
1: That is really awesome. You know, so if, if I'm a business, I have 10 employees in my company. Uh, we have about 600 clients. The people that are listening to this are paychecks customers. They are, you know, are hundreds of thousands of them. Why would a business want to become a member of the American Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce?
0: Well, a number of reasons. One starts with principled advocacy uh, around what it takes to open another American century. What, what, what do we need to do from a policy perspective in, in, in order to make sure that American free enterprise is really healthy and thriving, and that we pass it on to the next generation in better shape than we found it? And uh, I think you'll find in Washington, and I, and I you know, we won't name names here today, but I think you'll find that there are a lot of associations and a lot of interest groups, a lot of lobbying organizations in Washington um, that will simply lobby for the highest bidder right that that whose principles in some ways are for sale and so so the first thing for us is that we've uh, established a membership level of ninety nine dollars a year right so we're we're not in the business of taking bigger checks from from bigger companies and and giving them a bigger voice in terms of of where we ought to be on on public policy we've set our whole model up to 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 lend itself to to fidelity, to to free enterprise principles, number one. Um, Number two, and outside of of the advocacy space, uh, is access to the marketplace. We see businesses all over the country in increasing numbers that are losing access to the tools required to participate in in an open economy. So um, uh, think about, uh, and and it, it may be a good one for today, think about merchant payment processing, for example. Uh, some of our largest merchant payment processors have, have begun de-platforming companies that are legally operating companies, that aren't doing anything uh, illegal or untoward, but that simply are in disfavored industries. Um, we, we've seen that in the banking sector to a lesser extent, but to some extent, we, we see it in, in other places like um, uh, insurance products and others. Uh, that are that are based on on access to the marketplace uh, for ideological reasons, and beyond idea, ideology, I think you know. Look, small businesses are the biggest business in America, and right. so one one of the things we do is we help aggregate some of that demand so that that our small business members can take advantage of of uh, of the purchasing power of of, uh, of, uh, of a bigger business uh, w- without having to be a bigger business. So th- those are some of the reasons that uh, that we'd love to have people join.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense that you mentioned okay, credit cards and the financial services industry. So, um, the Credit Card Competition Act, which was introduced, it's a bipartisan bill introduced in the Senate by Senators Durbin and Marshall, who I hope to be interviewing shortly. One, one, or both of them. Um, Tell us a little bit about it and what your involvement is with the Credit Card Competition Act. Yeah,
0: well, so our involvement with the Credit Card Competition Act is that we oppose it just to be out front. Uh, And uh, the reason we oppose it is we think it's it's uh, like many pieces of legislation in Washington, D.C., is is not accurately named. Uh, It is uh, it, it is the federal government trying to take a bigger role in the way that private transactions happen. Uh, trying to determine uh, or trying to mandate not to to determine uh, what credit card networks can and can't be used, how those networks are used, and therefore how they're priced. Um, And not only is it antithetical to the ideas of American free enterprise, right? The idea that free people in competitive markets make better decisions about how to price your services, what services you should offer, what services people are going to buy. Competitive markets make those decisions better than the government. Uh, we think in just about every case uh, and certainly in this one. On top of that, we've got some history here. Right. In, in 2010, uh, uh, there was a, a bill passed that did much the same um, and it didn't work. It didn't work. Not only did it add federal regulation, uh, but it was not helpful to consumers. Uh, the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of, of Richmond uh, did a study after debit cards were, were regulated and, and found that, that 77% of retailers, uh, did not lower their, their prices when the price controls, uh, came into place, they pocketed the difference, right? It's not good for consumers. And additionally, it, it led to the, the, the benefits that, uh, uh, that had existed before to consumers being reduced, uh, free checking accounts, for example, I think, um, a reduced by something like thirty-five uh, percent in the country after after that um, after that bill was passed, and so now uh, Senator Durbin, who who was was uh, who led that bill in twenty ten, wants to do it again with credit cards, uh, and, uh, and and we fundamentally believe not only is it not good for consumers, it's the wrong place to make decisions about products and services in America.
1: But you know, I mean the. the... Senator Durbin and Marshall will tell you that their, their act is supposedly trying to dilute the power of the big credit card companies, you know, MasterCard and Visa, and, and uh, you know, trying to, you know, they're, they're saying that they, they, when those companies are out there, they, they have to have at least one alternate network, um, you know, that, that banks and credit unions are issuing to try to increase competition. And, and judge, I mean, I hear from a lot of my clients that, you know, they, they they can't stand the credit card fees. They think they're sometimes excessive. There is a bit of a monopoly kind of environment among all of that so speak to that like why why do you feel that this bill actually is is a bad thing when it kind of seems like the senators are 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 taking steps to Make things better not only for consumers but for small businesses.
0: Well, I would say that if intentions counted, that we would live in a much better world, right? I mean, Washington regulates all kinds of things. They come out and they tell us that, boy, if you oppose our bill, you must oppose our purposes. And uh, right, and it's the greatest fallacy in American public life. Uh, if if people believe. That Washington, D.C., that, that, that elected people in Washington and that unelected bureaucrats in Washington who run these things after we pass the, these bills, if people believe that, that Washington, D.C. makes better decisions about what products and services we want, what products and services your business ought to offer, ought to have to offer, and how you can price products and services uh, uh, in your business, from your business, between your business and another, uh, then they ought to support this bill. Uh, Our view is that Washington is not the best place to answer those questions, that free people and competitive markets are always the best place to make these kinds of decisions. Um, And and again, not only do we believe that from an ideological perspective, but you can go back and see what happened when we did the same thing to debit cards uh, uh, about a dozen years ago or so in 2010. uh, And it, it like a lot of well-intentioned projects from Washington D.C. did not have the intended effects, um, and had a, a whole number of deleterious effects in our in our economy that, um, that that we ought to avoid.
1: So, is there, you know, is there a scenario that you would support regulations or legislation? I mean, it seems like your organization is definitely behind free enterprise and let the markets do their thing and keep the government out of it to the you know to the to the most extent possible. Um, and I know it's not like, you know, we don't want things to be lawless or whatever, but there is, there is, you know, there's a limit to that, I'm sure. But, you know, is there, you know, is there, I'll give you an example. Um, and, and I didn't ask you this before we got started talking. So if you're not comfortable talking about, um, this, um, just, just, it's fine. But like in California, they have this fast food, uh, you know, legislation for the fast food industry. Are you familiar with that?
0: Generally? Yes. I, I, Generally. I, yes.
1: So I just, and just to get, just. Generally, just to tell you what it is, is that, there, you know, the, the legislation goes into effect in 2023, and it, it I just wrote about this, so I'm, like, kind of up to speed on it. It's, it, it. It forms a fast food council, and it's it's made up of, um, regulate, you know, like, people from the government, people from the fast food industry, workers from the fast food industry, you know, uh, businesses in the fast food industry, and theoretically, that council makes the decisions on workers safety and regulations, at minimum wages. They've been given some parameters from the government. And the theory is that that council will make its decisions and and the legislature and the state will just rubber stamp the decisions. In other words, they're off shooting the, the responsibility to the industry to figure out what they how they want to run their industry rather than the regulators get very much involved. I'm curious if that's the kind of thing that the American Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce would support such a thing. Or would you feel more like you know what there should be no regulation? I would let the market deal you know with it themselves. There shouldn't be any kind of you know extra counsel like that, let alone any regulation yeah. from the state. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it it, it does make sense. And I look, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I don't. I want to be careful to, to 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 be clear here that that we're not anti-regulation in every Understood. case. I mean, so certainly yeah. you want you want lines painted on the side of the road. Um, I, I would say a number of things, though. One, in the California case, I think you'd be you'd be hard pressed to say that that California businesses, and particularly new businesses, innovators, startups, uh, find it particularly easy. To start and grow and compete, given the mm. cost structure that you have in a place like California, right? It's in fact, you, you, have, you have people leaving California in droves. Why? And it, I think it goes back to this idea that that we govern with the best of intentions, but those intentions mm. are misplaced. The, the question ought to be: How best do we solve problems that face us? Do we think that more government intervention in our lives is going to do it? My argument, Gene, would be that we've got stacks and stacks and stacks of regulations at the state level particularly in a place like California and at the federal level and those stacks keep growing and every time they grow it's a small operator it's an entrepreneur it's a guy with a new idea and an Etsy site in his basement you know it's a guy working in the gig economy who can't afford to comply and I don't think that improves the economy one little bit i, I we don't oppose the 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 idea that we want uh, better quality of life, or we want better c- conditions in the fast food industry, or we want to make sure that 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 living wages are are paid. But we believe fundamentally that the marketplace makes those decisions better and faster than uh, than the government makes makes for us.
1: Okay, that makes that makes complete sense. So on that line, there are some other some other sort of regulatory things. I'd love to get your your take on. In twenty twenty three, uh, the Department of Labor is going to be coming out with new rules for worker classifications. You know, which is yes. going to Change the way businesses are classified. And with the, you know, the the offset of that or the result of that is that a lot more independent contractors and freelancers are are most likely going to have to be classified as employees um, for these companies. And by the way, this is at a time where there has been an explosion (laughs) in freelancers and independent contractors all around. So clearly there's like this whole, you know, millions, tens of millions of people that want to be on their own and run their own businesses and do their own thing. And now, you do have like these rules coming from the Department of Labor, that are sort of the antithesis of that. Yes. Um, give, give me your thoughts on that. You, you know, good. Yeah, bad. a
0: whole number of thoughts. One, I, I would <laughs> say this is this is Washington at its worst, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, these are these are these are regulations that have been long sought by by major labor unions around the country. Yeah. Supported by the Biden administration, uh, they've tried a number of times, including last uh, uh, Congress, I believe, uh, in was it HR one or what one, one of the low numbered bills, one of the very mm-hmm. first bills, uh, yep. uh, they, they tried to pass some of these very same they did. Uh, uh, provisions under under different names. Um,
1: the Pro it, Act, it was called the Pro the, Act. Yeah, exactly that's right. Exactly. Yes, yep. that's
0: that's, that's yep. exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, um, is it's long been a. Um, uh, a a priority of, of labor unions who of course pour a lot of money into the biden campaign and and, and his allies. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh the reality is that they couldn't get it through a congress that was controlled by the president's own party both houses controlled by a president uh, the, the president's own party couldn't get it through the congress and so I would say before we even get to to the business ramifications of such a policy um i I, I would say that um, you know this is a this is a backdoor approach to do something that that the will of the American people does not support, uh, n- n- number one. And so for for on that basis alone, it ought to stop. But then you think about where we're at in terms of, of economic time. Right. And, and I, you know, Gene, I, I think you may have been referring to what's happened in the covid and post covid period and what work looks like and what the workforce looks like and what the future of work looks like. I'll say, though, but even before covid. You know the future of work looked very much, and certainly the future of entrepreneurship looked very much to be uh, tied to to of course what we know as the gig economy. Um, and the idea that that you have to be an employee with all of the cost structure and all of the all of the implications that brings along with it. Uh, I think is a killer to the future of work in America. Uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly a burden that America's small and mid-sized businesses don't need uh, today, just in terms of, of the workforce tensions and issues that we've, we've got. But I think even long-term, this is a really dangerous policy, and it's one that you'll find the American Free enterprise chamber pushing back on aggressively.
1: All right, that's 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 very interesting and not surprising, and and I do agree that there are a lot of issues around that policy. I just a, a couple more things. I just want to get your thoughts on before I let you go. Um, minimum wage keeps coming back and forward and back and forward uh, again. Congress and when they you know early in twenty twenty one tried to uh, increase minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour failed. So um, so it's really been left to the states. Um, on this podcast, I interviewed um, Rand Paul about that uh, you know and specifically about minimum wage and. You know, he does not support a national minimum wage because his point of view is, why should my constituents in Kentucky be paying the same minimum wage as somebody's constituents in California? You know, it's right. a, just it's right. a big country. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to make the assumption that you are not a fan <laughs> of national minimum wage. Uh, right. That, give me your thoughts. Why you would I, I like to hear thoughts from all different you know points of view. Why, why would you be against the national you know, federal minimum wage.
0: Yeah, number one, <laughs> we live in a republic, right? And okay. and thank God we do. If we all looked like <laughs> California, we would have no uh, no, no small businesses <laughs> left at all. Uh, and and so th- this is a question of states' rights, first of all. And and I th- and we see the free market working. You know, we see people leaving a high tax, high regulation state. We see businesses leaving high tax, high regulation states and moving to places that are that are places where they feel there's a regulatory and cost and tax structure where they can grow their business and and and, uh, and do so in a way that uh, that 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 people can afford, that their employees can enjoy a better quality of life. Um, and, and so, look, our, our form of government works. Uh, let's let it work. I, I don't think we've got to solve every problem at the federal level. I, I would add, though, um, and maybe a little more practical and, and one that I don't think we talk about as often, I think the people that get hurt by by onerously high minimum wages and particularly in parts of the country where those those wages uh, are not what the market would would demand or re- or require otherwise, the people that get hurt are people that are trying to begin working. Uh, you know, uh, young people, teenagers, I, you know, my, uh, we've got a big family, I've got two in college and two in high school. And I'll tell you, you know, working jobs that are, uh, that are, that are just enough to get by, uh, not only are financially meaningful for, for young people entering the economy, but that experience of work is critical, is critical, right? There's all kinds of research about um, what leads to, you know, long-term happiness and contentedness in life. And, and the answer, In short, as I'm sure you know, is earned success. When we deny young people the chance to work, uh, you know, I I think we're setting them up for for a lifetime of trouble. Um, The flip side is when we have a robust, vibrant local economy that can afford to bring temporary and part time workers in at at entry level wages, uh, entry level wages that the local market can bear. Uh, I think that's good for everybody. It's good for the business. It's good for the workers. It's good for young people entering the economy. It's good for people who need a starting opportunity. And we shouldn't deny that.
1: One final question, then I'll let you go, Gentry. Um, I had a bunch of topics I wanted, wanted to cover with you, but um, immigration is kind of high on mind. And and I, yeah, as I, I do feel that the next two years, considering how split we are in Washington, which, by the way, is not such a bad thing at all. Uh, is it, we're not going to see any major legislation, I think, will come out of this Congress. But um, immigration could be one thing where there is, I mean, there's certainly a lot of bipartisan support to do something. And uh, I know my clients in my community and our paychecks, you know, our cust—our listeners, um, you know, we're suffering significant labor shortages. People are looking for entry-level people. I- I'm curious, you know, again, you're, you're trying to bounce without too much government advice. Let the market do what it's got to do. But I'm curious where you... You know what your thoughts are on immigration. Number one is, do you think there might be a chance for some type of bipartisan legislation in this Congress? And number two is, what would you like to see? That would you think that yeah. you think would make the best, uh, most sense for the economy?
0: Boy, I, I hope and pray that there's a chance for bipartisan legislation. It needs to be bipartisan, and not just because the Congress is divided, uh, but because the country is divided. And and, and yeah. we're not, you know, we're not going to go anywhere good if 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 one party or the other is is um, Uh, you know, is either jamming something down our throats or, or standing in the way for the sport of standing in the way. And I I think we've seen plenty of that too. Um, I don't know that I'm a real optimist about that, Gene. I wish I could tell you something else. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but it's certainly, certainly my hope. Look, as, as I'm sure your listeners are well aware uh, the strength of America has always been a a robust flow of immigrants from around the world that are looking for a place to breathe free and call home and have the kind of economic uh, and social opportunity that 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 you just have nowhere else in the world. Um, I, th- I think it's the pride and joy of of of, uh, of Americans. At the same time, the one thing that sets us apart, Gene, is is the rule of law. Right? You, you don't have to be born here. You don't have to be from a racial or ethnic background, but you do have to respect the rule of law. We're not governed by our betters. We're not governed by a king. We're governed by the rule of law. And I think the concern about where we're at from an immigration perspective is that too much of it feels lawless today. And, and unfortunately, I think that's standing in the way of what could otherwise be good bipartisan consensus. I'll tell you when you, you ask for my own opinion, I'll I'll, I'll offer an idea for your listeners um, uh, that, that, that may be a little bit novel. I, I haven't heard any policymakers talking about it yet, although we'll try to change that. <laughs> um, I, you know, back to this idea that Washington is, is maybe the worst place to try to solve problems. Uh, I, I wonder what might happen if we gave our states, our governors and legislatures more of a voice in terms of what, what level of legal immigration we need. Why don't we let states compete? Why don't, we, why don't we require the federal government to ask governors and legislatures in all 50 states and the territories every year, um, what do you need to replenish your economy? What do you need to replenish your workforce? How many? What kind of visas do you need? And, and what if we looked at ways to, to require the federal government to be responsive to the needs of states on that? Open that marketplace up and let states compete Uh, for legal immigration in America. It's a a novel idea. It maybe maybe introduces some of the competitive markets uh, kind of component um, and get some of these decisions out of Washington, D.C.
1: I like it. Gentry, I'm voting for you next time you run for president, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You you and my wife, I got two votes. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) We'll get your kids involved too as well. Come on, they got to support their dad. Gentry College is the CEO of American Free Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce amfreechamber.com Gentry thank you uh, you know it, it's great to get your points of view on these things and i think that a lot of uh, uh, our listeners uh, you know they may agree they may disagree but it's really important to hear um you know you know points of view like yours because i think it's important for small businesses to take these into consideration so um thank you and i think your chamber again it's the American Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce is, it's doing great work so please keep it up
0: Gene, thanks for having me.
1: Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychecks can help. Visit the resource hub at paycheckscom forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychecks can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care.
0: This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated, 2023, all rights reserved.